This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays and Wednesdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today we speak with Michael Eisner, the former CEO of the Walt Disney Company. We talk about the English Football League, streaming sports online, and his view of esports. I think the word sports is probably the wrong word for it. Um, it's it's a, vi- a video game, but it's certainly the, these 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 players, these quote unquote athletes or whatever they they are, personalities um, are big, gigantic. Some of them make a hundred thousand dollars a day uh, streaming to the world. Um, it's global. We'll have more of our interview with Michael Eisner in a few minutes. But first, let's get to the top stories of the week. And let's start with another from the Ball family. This time, LaMelo Ball, the 17-year-old, he says that he is going to opt for the Australian League ahead of the 2020 NBA draft. Yeah, another player opting to go play basketball in Australia. Of course, the difference here is LaMelo did not have college eligibility because he had went and played in Europe right. because of his father's grand plan to have the ball. I don't know what LaVar's ball's plan is. I don't care, whatever. But I will say, from a development and maturation standpoint, there are worse things for LaMelo Ball than to go and play against older, more experienced players, take a professional off-court regimen of food, add bulk, of weightlifting, of, of, of conditioning, and prepare for the 2020 draft. Because in his mind, or in, in his plan, he wants to be the number one pick in the 2020 draft. This will certainly help him become a better player. Yeah, this is the youngest ball, the youngest of the three ball ball kids. Lonzo, obviously, the, the earliest one, or the oldest one involved recently in this trade between the Lakers and the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. Um, big difference, as you said, Scott, between Lamelo and R.J. Hampton, who is the higher-rated prospect yes. uh, in the same class. Who about you know two weeks ago, two three weeks ago, announced that he was going to play in the National Basketball League down in Australia. Um, R.J. Hampton had the option of playing in college, as you said because he played in Lithuania LaMelo probably was going to lose his his NCAA eligibility didn't even try to push it um we talked about this with RJ Hampton this the, this deal seemed really good for the teams that get these guys down in yeah, Australia yeah this is part of that next stars program mm-hmm. so the league and not the team will pay the salary and we thought it was about 800,000 to or around there right about 800,000 dollars I think the base salary is 100,000 but for bigger names right. like RJ Hampton and probably LaMelo, LaMelo Ball, Ball yeah, yeah you, you, that that salary gets higher um, and these teams also get a, a buy these are two year deals both these guys with with NBA opt outs If he's a first round pick and the team gets the buyout, which is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which seems like a great result, right? You get you get a, a big name, low risk, high some reward. attention, right. a, 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 a talented young player. There's only there's a bigger um, risk with this one though. Comes with that. Mm. I'm curious how much media attention these games get when the balls went to Lithuania. Some of those games streaming online, I think it was Facebook. I'm not top positive on that, but some of those games actually drew 
a decent amount of viewers. Obviously, the time change between the U.S. and Australia is a little bit different than the U.S. and Europe. Um, but, you know, the, I'm curious if these two names, especially the Ball family who has a they big following. Have, they have the Facebook watch show, Ball and the Family. Yep. So this is about attention for the league. Yeah, for the NBL and for the team, I don't see a lot of risk. No, nope. the ball in the family. I love it. Boy, the way LaMelo played. Go ahead, help me. Songs that need the hit <laughs> You have any idea what we're doing? No. Okay. Oh. oh, man. Anyway. Uh, Get let- out of my chair. <laughs> no, no, that's Edith. I know. Well, I, did, I didn't do in the Archie you voice. You didn't do the Archie Get, voice. I, well, he just looks at Stimmick. Is this the honeymoon? Meathead. Is, no. Oh, my God. Is this the honeymoon? Is my head going to explode? Isn't there any different honeymooners? <laughs> oh, my God. My head hurts. Oh, okay, man. next. Wait, no. Novi underscore Williams. You're an idiot. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the NBA draft. Oh, that really hurt. Oh. That one really hurt. Uh, you know you what? Know what? <laughs> From now on, meathead. <laughs> meathead to my left. <laughs> Dead from the neck up. You know, I am starting to hate that underscore now. Thank now you. About... <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, that's our next topic. Uh, that, that draft. This, this is something that uh, is it, getting flashier and flashier every well, year. Well, that's why Evan and I wanted to talk about it in that, you know, the NFL has become sort of this major media event, created multi-day thing out of its draft. The NBA draft has its own little cottage industry. Players really are remembered. I remember Samaki Walker. Remember the red suit? Mm. Players really can leave a lasting impression. They get a chance to show off the style. And that's one of the things. I don't remember who in the world said it, but I always go back to Clyde Frazier when they say players back then had style. Now a lot of these guys, you know what they have? They have stylists. It's not the (laughs) same thing. (laughs) It's not the same thing. But there is this entire cottage industry that has just been born out of the draft because it's such a high profile event and it is first and foremost it's about fashion everybody wants to know what the guys are going to show up wearing and they compete for attention by the way the worst thing you want to do is put on a blue suit and walk up on that stage and be like all right off he goes you want to be on that list right best best dress worst dress doesn't matter as long as you get attention absolutely yeah now let's get into this week's interview with Michael Eisner, the former CEO of the Ball Disney Company. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I want to start with your involvement with Portsmouth, a, a soccer team in one of the lower divisions in England. I hear every day, by the way, that stakes of teams, EPL on down, that so much is for sale and all the American buyers are looking at it, they want to get in on it. What would you tell an American sports investor about buying a British soccer team? Well, I would tell whether it's an American investor or any investor, um, do your homework. Um, It it isn't as easy as it appears. Uh, I don't think as many teams are for sale as you just indicated. And whether it's an MLS team in the U.S. or whether it's non-soccer slash football, caution. Caution, like you would buy anything. By the way, it's never how you sell an asset. It's how you buy an asset. So if I was going to tell anybody about buying anything, I would say keep your, your man, keep your testosterone in control. Don't go crazy. Beware. You had to sell yourself 
to that fan group, though, can you just quickly describe what you did to, I don't know if win over is the right word, but to sort of sell yourself to, I think, uh, always skeptical fans when an outsider is taken over a club? Well, I had looked, you know, I had decided, I don't know how far back you want to go here, but I had decided uh, that the one area in the media that was attractive to me, being a content player in the media for my whole career, was sports, because sports was the only area left that was appointment viewing. Everything else you could see uh, on demand, whether it was Amazon or Netflix or, or whatever. So it was sports. So we looked around the world. We decided that uh, U.S. sports were too expensive. Uh, the growing sport around the world, or the dominant sport around the world, was soccer. We decided on soccer. We decided on England after looking everywhere. Uh, we looked at Premier League teams. What turned you off to Premier League? Uh, Besides price. I like to not. I like to join something where you can't fall off the floor. I, uh, ah, relegation. <laughs> well, I did that. No, not just relegation. It's just like, by coincidence, I joined ABC when they were fourth among three. I joined Paramount when they were eighth among seven. I joined Disney when it was being dissolved. I liked building from the bottom. But I did look at Premier League teams, which were very expensive, and you could you could spend that money and then be, as you say, relegated which would value, would take your value in you know quarters immediately. So one day my son said to me, why don't you do what you've done in your whole career, look for something that's a high-quality, great brand, but in trouble. And we flew around, my sister, my kids, my wife, we flew around England, and we ended up at Portsmouth, which was a very famous team, founded in the uh, like 1890s, uh, major city, island city, naval city, and they had been relegated four times because they'd had four owners, two of which were already, are still in jail, two of which, who knows, they all went under. So we just showed up. And in this city, this island city, this working-class city, was a enthusiasm for every game that you only see in the U.S. for the NBA Finals. It's just or college basketball, just unbelievable. So we spent six months trying to convince uh, the board, and then eventually, to get to your question, because uh, it's early in the morning here, and <clears throat> I'm raring to go here, <laughs> to get to your question <laughs> about why uh, we presented to the 3,000 fans, because the board really didn't want to sell. The fans really didn't want to sell. But they had a stadium that was built in 1911, an Archibald Leach Stadium, that was wood and needed a lot of work. They had enormous requirements on players. And although they were running it at break-even, they looked forward to some investment. So we presented. And they were nervous about Americans, because there were some Americans that had bought teams that had really done badly, not the teams, but the finances, and the teams, I guess. They were nervous about Hollywood. You know, they thought we had horns. Um, and they were nervous about somebody who was 
over 140, which I am. So <laughs> Bar is too. Don't worry I about don't it. Don't worry. I'm only like about a year or two behind you. So, <laughs> so we, I made a presentation like I would make at Disney, very, uh, you know, slick and well-written with video. We had made like, we meaning between Paramount and Disney, 20 or 30 movies, sports movies, all of which ended with a winning. So we all, we made clips and we made this great sizzle reel to We Are the Champions with us winning, you know, whether it was, you know, the Mighty Ducks or Bad News Bears or whatever it was. I, I love that the Bad News Bears, the Mighty Ducks, and Miracle, like, helped you buy this team. <laughs> exactly. And then we ended the clip with the uh, Portsmouth winning the FA Cup and being in the Premier League, some clips of that. And then we did a Q&A, and I had my sons who were in their 30s, or early 40s, um, answer the questions, and... We had to get seventy five percent of the vote, and we got eighty seven percent of the vote. I, this question coming from, you know, another old man, <laughs> and, I, and I have to ask this: when you were with ABC, you were the CEO then of ABC, and still Wide World of Sports was still with ABC, and I, which I never missed ever since it debuted uh, in nineteen sixty one or two, and on down the line. Uh, never missed it. And uh, at that time, it was uh, an umbrella of many different sports that were put together. Well, now in today's world, we have streaming. Obviously, you have ESPN and many other sports networks around. And I was talking to my my son, and uh, he said, well, Dad, you'll never have a wide world of sports today. It won't work. But then I started thinking about it. Wide world of sports, you knew that everything was going to be capsulized. You know, you know, in an hour and a half show, two hours, you knew you could get several sports in there and the sports fan could watch it. I'm just wondering if something like that could ever come back to TV. I don't know. I mean, Wild World of Sports went off kind of when ESPN was developed because ESPN was kind of a full-service wide, 24-hour Wild World of Sports. <clears throat> so that's what kind of ended ABC's Wild World of Sports. Uh, there were only three networks, then four networks. There was a limited amount of sports. ABC had NCAA football. There was there was there was some uh, hockey was not working. Um, I don't think today uh, that format is necessary because there's so much sports everywhere. So I recaptured. I mean, people want to see the whole thing. I guess if you get back to ping pong and and curling, it could work. But I think for major sports, it wouldn't work. We're speaking with Michael Eisner, former CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And Michael, given your you know your history with with ABC and and Disney, um, kind of surrounding ESPN, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize you know ESPN struggled a lot financially in its early years. Was there a moment that you kind of realized that, you know, this thing is going to take off? Live rights, sports-wise, are kind of the future of media? Yeah, actually, when ABC acquired ESPN, the uh, ABC was mocked. Uh, sports department mocked mocked it because they had wide world of sports, <laughs> as we just discussed. The management got mocked. Um, ABC sold 20% to Getty. Uh, 
you know, when uh, when we were looking at it to acquire Capital Cities ABC, uh, it no longer was a silly service because it now was had a lot of major sports. It had picked up uh, football for cable. And every time I looked at it, and I looked at ABC for acquisition from Disney for years, the shining light economically was ESPN. And it was growing like crazy. And when we acquired ABC, Capital Cities ABC, the first thing we did was to renew Monday Night Football, which was not easy because it lost money for the network. But we acquired the full season of um, of NFL for ESPN. And with that, we were able to uh, increase our rates to the cable companies. And I would say that one move of buying Capital Cities ABC and getting a full season of of NFL on uh, ESPN is what made our acquisition work. It, it, it was the absolute winner in the entire acquisition. Where do you see uh, the value I, of live right? Is, bubble, no bubble, must have, or do you have to break it up by sport? Like, of course, people want the NFL, and they're willing to pay whatever it takes to keep it. It's always been a bubble, and it's always been a necessity, and it's always growing, and I don't think it's any less important. As a matter of fact, I think it's more important today than ever. Because live sports light up ESPN, live sports light up ABC and CBS, live sports light up Sky Television in England. It is the live sports that goes on these platforms that allows uh, other edit- other programming to exist uh you know look at nbc without without football nbc is not the dominant player now that it that it's become um in broadcasting well they learned that lesson the hard way when they when they said goodbye to the nfl they learned that lesson the hard way they certainly did well cbs was the one to learn that lesson first and uh, and everybody has learned that lesson and um you know one of the reasons that that we went to England, and one of the reasons we bought Portsmouth Football Club soccer team is the enormous fees that television pays the leagues. Sky Television is uh, very, very successful, and often because of their football association. And the Premier League is broadcast around the world. On NBC, because there's no competition on Saturday mornings, it's doing unbelievably well. Uh, the Bundesliga is on uh, Fox. Um, the 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 international sports is a whole new era of value for sports. So uh, I, I'll tell you that other programming is is going downward. Some of it, sports is not going downward. Sports is becoming more important. Uh, as high price as being paid for sports rights for 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 athletes, it is not going the other way. Um, Michael, I always use the word scale on this program, and you talked about broadcasting the EPL. That there is that 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 inside of the UK model. Then there's the how do we sell internationally around the world, and NBC certainly did that here, and and it's growing there. With the ability to stream and the ability for advertisers to direct uh, reach customers and to individualize uh, commercials and ads, where's the value proposition between sports rights holder and 
the content providers? You know, this is a little bit of a win-win. Um, obviously, I'm hoping that sports ownership, because I'm not going to be able to buy, you know, Sky or, or, or ESPN and that kind of thing. So if you look at Pompey, Portsmouth, um, I did. I assume that, you know, I see, you know, 10 games a year in England. Uh, as it is, I see every game. It's streamed, streamed on a thing called iFollow. They've made a deal with uh, Endeavor uh, to to improve the the the, the, the delivery. Uh, it's on in, in Los Angeles at seven in the morning on Saturdays, and in New York at ten. It's the BBC announcers, so it's excellent coverage. In the uh, championship league, there there are four cameras or five, so it's like a real professional uh, production. In League One and, and League Two, they're less, not as good. And those games that are that are on Sky in England are streamed around the world on ESPN Plus. So we get for Portsmouth maybe. I don't know, five or six games a year on ESPN Plus. The rest on iFollow. Uh, the championship, which is one below the Premier League, they get many more. Uh, we we are growing. It's amazing. We have fan base all over the world. Uh, of course, England and the South Coast is our main focus right now. But the upside is tremendous. Speaking of upside, then, the basic adage, more bidders, more money, with the fangs inserting themselves, and one, do you think they will be real bidders for real rights? And if so, who do you place at the front of that line among the technology companies? Well, let me put it this way. I was, I wouldn't say I was involved, but I was a big investor and an early advocate for Netflix. And Reed Hastings or, or Ted Saranis, uh, one of the guys told me they would never do original programming. Then they did original programming. Then they told me they would never do animation. Then they did animation. And then, then they said they would never do sports, and now some of them are doing sports like uh, like Amazon. I would expect they will be coming in like uh, Jim Brown for the Cleveland Browns in 1960. They're going to be breaking through the line. They're, I'm sorry that nobody's ever heard of them or the Cleveland Browns. But <laughs> Hey, I'm a Syracuse guy. I know him as a football player and a lacrosse player. Oh, there you go. In any event, uh, sports lights up your platform. So with the financial wherewithal of Apple, the aggressiveness of Amazon, the creativity of um, of Netflix, the existence already of ESPN and ESPN Plus, uh, you're going to see a very difficult time ahead for the U.S. broadcasters. I wouldn't be surprised if all sports of that level eventually leaves broadcast television. Wow, okay. what, what year do you think that happens? Oh, I don't know. 2020? No, not oh. that soon. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The, the NFL, I mean, the major broadcast rights deals are up in 2021-2022. I know. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, a streaming. They won't leave all at once. They'll do, you know, one service, one and a half services somewhere. By the way, I have no information. I mean, nobody's told me this. Hmm. I'm just convinced of it. Why not? 
And, and was this something that was this in your head at all when you were running Disney or was the technology just so kind of not not advanced enough to even think about kind of this eventuality? Yes, we thought about it, but we thought about it for entertainment. And we were always told with the with, with the uh, bandwidth, the sports wouldn't work with the existing technology because when you follow a person running across the screen, it's much more difficult on bandwidth than if you're just, just sitting in a room. Uh, it was very rudimentary. Uh, you know, the technology has advanced so quickly, so unbelievably quickly, that now, you know, parents are watching their kids' little league games that are streamed. Everything is streamed. And it's not... Like you have to, you know, hit your computer with your elbow to get to to get it to to stop buffering. I mean, it's 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 and it's only going to get more so. So everything will be streamed. Lectures will be streamed. College graduations are streamed. They are now. Um, you know, I didn't even realize I I've said I wouldn't say inappropriate, but I've said things that probably were meant only for the room in which I was making a speech. Uh, interviewing somebody maybe at the Aspen Institute and the next day I'm getting emails and things from all over the world why did you say this or what the, the, the speeches are, are are being streamed so sports is it is again it's the top of the pyramid you can't get a Champions League Liverpool game or Barcelona game you can't get that in filmed entertainment except you know once or twice a year when you have a genius writer you one get that in sports every day one other part of this industry that that i assume was not huge on your radar back when you were running disney but esports i know you took in a, a Fortnite tournament last weekend what are your thoughts on on that and that burgeoning part of the of the sports business world and 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 its potential ability to kind of infringe on the popularity of, of traditional sports well, you just made my point, which is scary beyond belief, that I went to the Fortnite <laughs> at the forum, and my son took a picture and I tweeted it. So there you go. That's proof of there's no that streaming or or social networking yep. is forever. So with, what was your question? <laughs> just just kind oh, of esports. Yeah, e-sports. yeah. What you see is kind of the future in terms of esports versus traditional sports. Experience. Let me put it that way. Uh, the forum I'd been to, I hadn't been to since a Laker or a, a King hockey game, so that was interesting. And here are what I don't know, fifteen thousand people screaming their heads off at something I didn't even understand. Uh, you know, a hundred television screens that, if you had twenty twenty vision, you, you maybe could see three of them. <laughs> and uh, you know. Uh, each game went for 20 minutes, and they had things. They had like the NFL experience before it, and um, I think it was on Twitch. And I think three million people were watching it on Twitch, which is more than most sporting events. Um, I think the word "sports" is probably the wrong word for it. Um, it's it's a, vi- a video game, but it's certainly the, these 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 players these quote-unquote athletes or whatever they, they are, personalities, um, 
are big, gigantic. Some of them make $100,000 a day uh, streaming to the world. Um, it's global. Um, it's, 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 it's the, which is here. The best thing of all is all, most of the players look like that kid in the class that was not going to be on the football team. <laughs> that was me. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was impressive. These, these, these really smart, uh, mathematically oriented kids are giant stars. Former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Michael Eisner. We we have to wrap this up, but I have to call this quick 30 seconds of advice for young people. And you know this because you mentioned about Cap Cities, and I was there when ABC was Cap Cities. And one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life, and just for people out there, Cap Cities had a plan where they had the 52-week stock plan where employees could get in, there was the low and there was the high for those 52 weeks. And you you, dealt, you bought it at the low, which everyone was the low. And people were telling me, young man, take out a loan and, and get this stock because you can't lose on this. And I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. Well, you know, I'd be retired today because then after that, then the stock split 10 for one and I think three for one after that. Uh, so my advice, if you could back me up on this, is listen to the elders that, that I did not listen to when you come into a company. Well, I would say you're completely 100 percent wrong. That was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible advice. It may have worked out. Do not borrow money to buy stock, no matter what anybody tells you. That's they were telling and, me this. That's I didn't do well, it. They're wrong. They're wrong. They happen to be, you know, it's like the clock is right twice a day. That is not a good strategy. Whomever you're talking to, tell them to go get a liberal arts education and not worry about that. <laughs> I love it. I That's was right. Good. I was right for a change. You were right. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you go on this one because we were talking about, you talked about the migration maybe off of broadcast television. Which league, which U.S. pro sports league will be the first to go all cable? To go all which U.S. league? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think that they'll they'll move kind of slowly, one at a time, one one package at a time. All of them, um, you know. I, I think it's I think it's going to happen. I think cable, I think the broadcasters are in a little better shape because they have a local constituency and they are government ordered must carry, which means they have to be on. Any system, yeah. cable is a little tougher. I think. I think uh, uh, I'm a little, I'd be a little more nervous about cable, and uh, obviously, uh, uh, streaming is is the future. All right, Michael Eisner, thanks so much for taking a few minutes and for backing up Michael Barr. Thank you, sir. Okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. See, I love it that I could discuss something with uh, Michael Eisner about the good old days and wide world of sports. And yes, I get it, it won't work today, but I still think it could because if you capsulize everything in an hour and a half, and you know this is what you're going to watch, and you get a little bit more flavor of what the sport is going to be, I think it could still work. Who are the captains? Who are the best captains on Wide World of Sports? Wasn't Henry Winkler pretty good? Who who, who are the captains? I don't remember. On Wide World of... What are you talking yeah. about? Wide World of Sports? Yeah. Jim McKay. I know Jim McKay, but... Henry they Winkler? Have, they used to have some celebrities on there every now and then do some... 
like Battle of the Network Stars type stuff. Well, that's Wide something World totally different. That was, uh, which, oh yeah, I do remember that one, man. That, that show was, could, that would succeed. I would watch that now. Battle, Battle of, the of the Network, Network Stars? Stars? That I would watch that good. now. <laughs> they used to have one, man, it was, where they used to have the, the obstacle course. Yeah. I used to love that. Yeah. The Agony of Defeat for your Wide World of Sports. For me, uh, I, I just love Eisner saying, I go to 10 games, you own Sportsmith. I go to 10 games, but I stream the rest and I watch, and it's not as good as the EPL. But he says, let's look down the line. No more sports on broadcast TV bar. All going to the tech companies, all going elsewhere. I I don't know if he's right or wrong, but I I like the take. That's a hot take right there. Yeah, that's certainly the thing that sticks out to me. This is a guy who had a front row seat and a hand in, you know, TV becoming the dominant force both financially and probably socially and impact-wise for for sports across the world. Remember, ABC um, mocked, he said, mocked when yeah, they got ESPN. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then he saw it become the, the, the most engine. important asset uh, in the entire company when Disney got involved. Um, but, you know, if he is out there saying, listen, I think it's going to, as you said, I think I think it's going to end at some point. You know, you won't see live, exclusive deals on TV anymore. Uh, that's a big deal. Yeah. That, that's, that's even further than, I think, a lot of people who are big on you know who are very bullish on streaming and digital that's further than, than a lot of them are even willing to go uh so certainly an eye opener there from michael eisner my goal is to be the number one pick that's something i've been dreaming of since kids it feels better to be number one than number five i wear the number because of mike we have a chance to go for three in a row good numbers at a good time when i first started wearing that number i was just happy and proud bloomberg business and sports the number of the week time now for the number of the week i'm going to interchange two numbers and but they connect together. How does he not make this simple? <laughs> no, I, no, I make it simple. Did you, you, Bruce, I'm did inter- you I'm gonna intersect two numbers. Didn't you miss me when yeah, I was? Yes, see, we did. We did. You know, I'm not gonna give you like you know two. <laughs> <laughs> the number of takes for everything we do. <laughs> this 300 or 18 percent. 300 or 80. Well, I know it's not your highest bowling score. Oh! Oh! Bowling oh! clap in the studio. Get out of my chair. <laughs> For listeners who are new to the podcast, Bart was a very good bowler back in the day, and he, he had one time where he went all the way through. He was down to the last frame, and he needed a strike for the perfect game, and he got a nine. And it was the nine pin. And it was the nine pin. I threw it. I threw it. Too well, mm. and and the ball charge tells passed. me something about you, Bar. No. Couldn't control it. Anyway, <laughs> I have no idea. Three hundred eighteen percent is race car. What I don't know. A- actually, th- this is kind of serious. It's kind of bad. Uh, broadcaster BN Media Group. Uh, they are cutting about a fifth of their staff at its uh, Qatari base because the uh, pay TV income has been hit by rampant piracy. Yes, it has. That's a that's a big story for being uh, that people in, in different territories have been taking their their stuff. Um, yeah, I'm I, not happy about people losing their jobs ever, uh, but not something that I'd come across. Yeah, BN made a, a huge splash over the past couple years, spending a lot of money, you know, outbidding 
maybe more established uh, networks for rights, especially in soccer. soccer yeah. um, and, and I think their goal was was to get to the point where, you know, fans of, of, of soccer felt the need to pay for their service specifically because of all the rights that they had. Um, but you're right. They, they had a big, they've had a big piracy issues in the past couple, uh, I guess in the past year or so dating back to the world cup, uh, last year. Um, and yes, yeah, sad to see that they're, they're cutting staff. Uh, by the way, the what numbers, was the 300? The 300 is around 300 employees oh, and 18% or 18% of the, workforce. of the workforce. Those were the numbers come in. So we wish him uh, well and uh, stop piracy. Soon there'll be an opening for a sports podcast at Bloomberg. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next week's number is three and a quarter of a percent. And 100%. Next week's number is two. One person got let go from here. Uh, you've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week for you at the same time. Plus, online as an Apple podcast, you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thank you very much for joining us. And please tune in next week when we speak with Mr. Novi Williams. Who do we have? We have World Cup special Christine Lilly. Played 23 years with the women's national team, 352 games, 130 goals. She'll be walking us through all the everything that's going on in France uh, and how the U.S. team is shaping up in the elimination. I want to talk about pay equality. That's going to be fun. Absolutely. It's just long overdue. Uh, you're listening to Bloomberg Business Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. <laughs>